Hey, how's it going? It's me, Magus Monk, a.k.a. M. Teas, FKA number 18. How are you doing? It's 2.37 a.m. It's late Tuesday night, technically Wednesday morning, January 18th, 2023. Oh, the whole reason I'm recording this is as an extension of a Tuesday activity, a Mars honoring day, if you will, Martes or whatever, you know, get into my learning Spanish as a second language accent. Thank you. And I was sitting here after a long day's chaotic work. Oh, lots of like transiting hither and thither and getting caught and in traffic where like this place closed early and shit like that. And I was chilling on my couch in my office where I'm recording this right now. And for whatever reason, I went back and listened to a part. Oh, it was because I got a little email from Substack that was like this other Substack newsletter, ISO My Body, which is Tamara Santibanez's like tattoo periodical, like a write in question and answer tattoo period. It's a, what is it, an answer column? Whatever you call it. But it's a very entertaining and interesting read. Anyway, I got a little email from Substack that was like, Tamara Santibanez recommends my Substack, And I was like, oh, and um, just like, you know, I don't know if you do this, but I went back and did that thing where I just like checked out what my like top page looks like and shit. just wound up listening to my last audio post where I was riffing on Avatar 2. I was just like going off. It was sending me into some sort of like, not a spiral, but <laughs> something and just realized that I have never maybe perhaps explicitly spoken anywhere or written perhaps about my thoughts on militarization. In my last little audio, John, I was saying how Avatar 2 is just this vehicle for like a white imperialist military f- fantasy. And I was going And at the end of that, I was like, and by the way, fuck Empire, even though we're all up in it and shit like that. So like for whatever reason tonight on Mars Day still in my mind, in my body. (laughs) Fun fact for the Astro Heads, I have a Mars and Gemini natally combust my son in the 10th house and Mars and Gemini retrograde period and I'm a Virgo rising. So Mercury all up in this bitch. It's been a thing. So anyway, 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 you know, I feel like some people are like anti-military or, you know, I'm on here being like, fuck empire and imperialism and like the powers that be that use violence to control us or like not control us, but to basically maim us and like kill us in effect. It it controls or whatever, but I don't know. So I'm always on here talking that. And that's what I want in my heart. And at the same time, there's something martial and Martian like about my like perceptions towards military or militancy, I suppose, militancy. Because like there's just all these thoughts to be had about some of my some of the hardest times in my life, believe or not, think what you will. I was in like such a bad situation and I like needed to escape and I needed to get money and work and save money and like 
the way that I figured out or thought to do it was to just work multiple jobs and like be sort of like disciplined and militant. And the role model for me at that time, and this was in like 2004, 2000, maybe 2005, like 2004 leading into 2005, I was looking to from the anime or manga series originally, Naruto, the original Naruto, Rock Lee, and Rock Lee's whole character arc. And I was like, Rock Lee had it rough, and yet he calls himself the genius of hard work, or he's known as the genius of hard work, the Emerald Beast as well. And like... I need to be a genius of hard work. I was telling myself, I need to be a genius of hard work. I need to have a fucking fighting spirit. I need to just get through these days, make these moves and be the fuck out. Like this is the motion. So I was like heavily leaning on the fan fiction fandom world of Naruto in those times, which was full of all these like sordid tales of the like original Naruto generation and the fact that they are child soldiers. Like there's a lot of really good fanfic out there about that. Like, you know, lemony, like lusty Johns about like the relationship between a grown like Sakura who's fighting alongside Kakashi and all that. Like, ah, like, <laughs> like I used to read, I like got really into like Gara and Rock Lee um trysts and all like stuff that I got like at first cringed at but then got into thanks to the fan fictions. There's a lot of fan fiction in Naruto. The Naruto is all these children's soldiers who are from different ninja villages and the village's economy as a whole is to be like mercenaries to other kingdoms and shit, but the story doesn't even really focus on that. In the characters, it focuses like on all this generational shit between the villages, dynasty clans, and sort of like the unwanted or the underclass kids, sort of kinda. And then there's also other different villages where there's other types of the same ninja mercenary adoptees, or who knows where some of them have parents, some of them have parents in there. So it's a way of life and all this stuff. So let me just continue the tangent because let's ride the wave with military militarism or like militancy or whatever in in my life or whatever. Like how I engage how I've engaged it and how I've consumed it and what I've thought about it. So additionally, I've I've kind of always thought it was funny to me that most of my icons and idols in the anime and like fandom, fictional, speculative worlds, call it what you want, have been these female cyborgs who are almost always written by men, like as far as we can assume or know or project, cisgender men, dot, 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 you know, and that's a big assumption. So like strong women in the media in general, like Rogue from X-Men and I remember what I, I'm sorry, Juliana Huxville, you have that piece, that essay, John, that's like, I always pick the girl fighters. I always pick the female fighters or whatever. 
that whole thing about playing as playing like fighting games and picking the girl characters because you were like, and I'm going to talk about myself now because you could be like a hot titty bitch who could fuck people up. The thrill of being some girl or some pussy or whatever, some dyke, whatever. So just some girl, but just being some girl who's hanging around the dark stalkers cabinet in a wildwood arcade one week in late August or whatever. And like the game is sickening. You're playing as Morgan Ainsland, a um, big titty, like mint chocolate chip, ice cream haired succubus character with demon bat wings and a thong jumpsuit and like black pointy boots. You can tell what, <laughs> what drew my attention. And I was whooping those asses. Like, I stayed on that machine, I guess because it was new and everybody didn't know all the fucking cell frame animation shit like with Street Fighter. But anyway, I had my little time beating people's asses. And so there's all these characters like that out of media, like things that for me I latched onto when I was an adolescent and like didn't really have access or know about And by know about, I mean, like, I wasn't seeing, let me just say gay people, trans people, like gender nonconforming people, that one I'll hold off to the side, but like openly gay or trans people in media, in my neighborhood or what, in my school or whatever, like, I wasn't really exposed to it. I was just like out there kind of isolated, like the LGBTQ club Gliz, shout out Glizba at Central High School, 1997 or whatever when I started, which like promptly disbanded as soon as me and all the other questioning bisexuals uh, freshmen appeared. Like it, I, that, I feel is unfortunate. Like those of us that were really questioning, we we could have had some, like we like a resource disappeared the year we got there, and like. It's just funny that I spent a long time not realizing what was going on or not embracing it or not making moves on it. So anyway, what was feeling that not knowing this, I suppose, as I pull this thread, was seeking status and power through like inhabiting these fantasy, like fictional, badass female characters like who else let me think so you know cyborg number 18 from dragon ball z 1000 percent. anyone who's been following me for a long time that's my bitch like um that's a cold-hearted cyborg major motoko kusanagi another top s tier special tier <laughs> star tier cyborg badass female or whatever who's also a top secret like government hacker soldier there's her there's battle angel alita i don't know whatever i'm too i'm a little stoned and very caffeinated to really recount it all but like and then slap that on top of the whole like i feel like this is a thing if you're like growing up in the city where in order to like not get caught up in whatever the fuck's going on around you like on your street on your block in your area in your neighborhood or whatever like somebody's like putting you in the police athletic league club or the local rec center program or like martial arts and my dad 
he was like, I'll pay for you if you want to take a martial arts class because, you know, that's like a good thing to take care of your body and to have skills like that. And he's like a tough kind of like guy. Anyway, I won't go on that tangent either. But so I get into Aikido and Aikido is translated the way, capital way of love. And I think I've said in previous newsletters, ones that I don't think I narrated, that the founder of Aikido was like a nationalist type of man who like trained imperial soldiers. Maybe not imperial soldiers, but like the regime soldiers. I forget the time period exactly, exactly. But so like martial arts, like my, well, that's a whole nother thing. I was about to start talking about swords. So there's a whole thing too about like, you know, I was growing up when it was like the 90s and Wu-Tang is on the motherfucking radio and MTV everywhere. And the fucking comic book stores in Philadelphia, like the ones that I went to are all run by black people, owned by black people as far as I know. Shout out to like Showcase Comic, now Atomic City Comics and like shout out to the import uh, video game store that used to be on like uh, on like 11th and Chestnut or whatever. And shout out to the fucking um, bootleg <laughs> VHS pickup spot at like 8th and Walnut or whatever the fuck. So, or 8th and Chestnut. Anyway, shout out to those spots. Like there's the whole thing of like growing up in the city and like learning martial arts and it giving you discipline and you know, having discipline, like having an inner compass or having like motivation, like learning skills to, to be doing difficult things is important. And I also went to, I also went to Catholic school. I also went to Catholic school in like a Irish, Italian, enclave, like white enclave, Northeast, originally enclave, Northeast Philadelphia. It was like built up in the fifties and 60s and 70s and shit like that. No thanks to Frank Rizzo, FYI, piece of Philly history. So I went to Catholic school and Catholic school, my Catholic school was very um, strict, they would say, uh, like on the uniform. And like there was more popular girls who the nuns and the teachers didn't bother to deal with, but they would, if I tried to do what they did, they would pick me up real fast and be like your skirt is too high your socks need to be at your knees is that nail polish on your nails things like that so anyway for whatever reason I was like noticed for those things and you know I shined my shoes on a weekly basis like I did all this stuff that and and in this multi multi life of my childhood where like I'm growing up in a predominantly black and brown and like Southeast Asian, like in Alni, if you know where that's at, I'm growing up in this place and I'm going to school in the white, like the, like the white ethnic enclave area. And also my Nana lives out there and my Nana's into living out there. So all this shit's happening at the same time. And I feel like, you know, Irish, Italian, like Polish, white, Catholic enclave shit and I suspect a lot of Catholic enclave shit for, uh, that's another tangent, but that's just going on. That's, that stuff is all pro-cop, pro-military, like join the military. Like I was in like seventh and eighth grade in the band, 
with my band friends talking like, oh yeah, like maybe we could join the military band. Like that would be like a good move for the future. Like there is no, what is that called? Like academic guidance or whatever. It's just a Catholic school where you get, where bad things happen to you and nobody talks about it or knows. So anyway, there's all these things in my life that have impressed upon me and dare say instilled in me this appreciation and keen awareness of the presence of military might, militarization in our lives or like in my life in terms of like the way the ours like the United States society is run. I really got off on a tangent with talking about my like personal background exposure to like various militant things. Like nobody in my like I'm not from a military family. No one in my family is cops. Everybody's just like a nurse or a factory worker or some tradesperson or like admin, so on and so forth. So I I say all that and yet like I had good like friends. I had like friends from formative times who our friendship like ended because they went into the navy. I had two friends who like left and then like came back different and like we we would see each other from time to time but they would just be like on a whole nother john at that point and it was like oh that was a time. And you know veterans are people there's parts in this landmass, this godforsaken country, that the whole economy is the military base or the the like whatever something related to the military. And I guess I'm not going to judge somebody for having served, you know. Like it seems fucked up to me in this way. The people who like when people are like, "Uh, fuck." Soldier, I don't know. I don't hear people say "fuck soldiers" or something. But like this sort of like leftist sentiment. Or something, perhaps this is all like a media projection, you know, I don't, I'm trying to recall anyone having ever like said this stuff in in my face, like in my vicinity of hating the military or whatever. I'm like, honestly, I'm thinking of the fucking L word, which I watched during the pandemic for the very first time. And there's that annoying columnist, no busybody with the like map of everybody who's ever like fucked or whatever. She like falls in love with this um, black dyke who's in the military who has to be closeted because it's before you could be. It was don't ask, don't tell times. And that whole relationship where I forget the character's name, like the white one, she's like keeps her her disgust or whatever, like on the like it's this fundamental issue with them. And I guess they're just so hot for each other for whatever reason that all the other shit is ignored. So like their like fundamental belief differences or whatever, or or just their attitude, whatever. I hope you can understand what I'm getting at. So I guess sort of that like indignant and perhaps entitled soft outrage at people for involving themselves with the military industrial complex as if it's just this, as if it's akin to, I guess, being racist, quote unquote. 
are you following that? Do you get what I'm, do you get <laughs> like, like, um, shit is nuanced, right? We all know that. We all know how nuanced and hypocritical and unstoppably fucked up a lot of shit is that we have to do or accept to not go insane and not be destitute and not get shot or killed. You know what I'm saying? So that's a thought. So anyway, and and I'm metaphorically holding a, I'm like air holding a sword in my hand. And as we all know, swords are blades and blades have two sides at least. And yet the two sides are the same weapon. So I'm imagining holding the sword and the other edge of this sword that I've just been talking about with people being like sort of I guess like liberals being or liberal, like whatever that is, the people who are like, oh, like that person, like that type of attitude about the military economy, I guess. To me, it's like naive and fucking stupid or something because like this whole shit that we're in, the empire is a military economy. No, like the other thing I was talking about in Avatar 2, like bemoaning and and like being pissed about was them having the blue people, the avatars, was that they had a sense of linear time. Like they spoke in terms of days and hours and like there was no linguistic like difference or cultural time difference that would affect. Anyway, anyway, I already made a rant about them. So I'm like imperial linear time. If anybody doesn't know by now, like how deeply forever changed and influenced I am from Rashida Phillips and Kamei Awa, aka my mother's Black Quantum Futurism work. Like, I've forever been influenced by Rashida ever since encountering her Afrofuturist affair work back in like 2011 or whatever on the eve, eve of forming Metro Polarity with her and Raz Mashramani, Raz Cutlass Mashramani, and Alex Smith. You know, like, they've all impacted me. So, that's like a little update for anybody who's not in the know. But to say the least, like Black Quantum Futurism and Rashida Phillips' essays have pointed out to me and many, many, many more the fact that linear clock time exists is to serve capital and empire, and it arose with the transatlantic slave trade. It was like in sync. Like the transatlantic slave trade, for it to prosper, it required the invention of the clock time, like linear clock time. Or at least that's my understanding. It's been a second since I went and read or listened to exactly what Rashida has said. But hopefully this will be the impetus impetus for you to go find some of her um, performances or lectures. They're on the internet. They're in magazines. They're archived to go listen to that shit for yourself. But anyway, Imperial Linear Time is a motherfucker, as we all know, I suppose. And what does it mean to, like, live inside it? What does it mean to see the boundaries of it on our perception? I've said this before in a previous newsletter. Again, I don't know if I narrated it, but I've talked about the appeal of getting into or the draw that got me into Hellenistic astrology 
and like all of this like broader world of the since the start of the common era like astrology practices and shit like that was that there is a cyclical record of time that's not the imperial linear time and not only does it exist it exists across hundreds of other cultures like many many cultures across the world across time have had and like devised and divined probably astrology systems for like you know divinatory informational purposes you know that's a science and like at the same time (laughs) empires are like oh shit it works for us too and like these formal systems come about or like these recorded formal systems come about and even as i say recorded we have to consider what this imperial like our empire this like american this globalized capitalist earth empire shit we're in or stranglehold we're in this empire is like oh shit i lost the strain hold on hold on when i say recorded i mean we're in an empire right now right and what does this empire value i'm not the first one to know this shit or think this shit of course but what does this empire value the written word the record the thing that's written down the dead words on the page on the dead tree the dead things like you know <laughs> shout out to the russell means for america to live europe must die speech which i've spoken about before too but you know like the empire will use astrology to record what it needs to and to make its significations too like need i say it i must this is the like mercurial cyborg duty i suppose that's like all tools are neutral like tools are made for certain purposes tools emerge out of needs and then what else does the tool get put to use for is an unknown in other words you can make what is that thing that people say like Technology gets made for purported or specific purposes, and then the streets use it another way. Or like a new, like the people who get to use it actually make it what it is. You know, we're we're all familiar with this, I hope. So Alice Sparkly Cat is an astrologer, uh, like I would say like an anti-imperial astrologer, like I would call my own fiction like anti-imperial, like I'm ta- I'm giving this little like anti-imperial like fireside chat right now <laughs> but alice Berkeley cat is an astrologer who has has a lot of really good brief easy to read essays and a, and a few books that are really breaking down the imperial origins of many significations in astrology that are like located in the geopolitics of the times you know with the greeks and egyptians and the romans and shit and so on and so forth The other thing about astrology is that it's just something that's fucking out there that you can see in the sky. If you begin to pay attention to where the planets are and where the stars are, when everybody's saying like Mars is in Gemini or whatever, like you can see it in the sky if you pay attention. That was kind of a weak tangent. I more wanted to say like, I I feel like I 
I have this impression in my mind that additionally, oh no, it's 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 because of like Lee Lehman's history of astrology album, like lecture album that I think is on Spotify. Hold on, I'm just typing Lee Lehman. Before we begin this period of talking about the history of astrology, first we need to define what astrology is. There are a lot of definitions. Yeah, J. Lee Lehman, J the letter, L-E-E, and then the last name is L-E-H-M-A-N. And if you look them up on Spotify or YouTube, you'll come across these astro lectures, one of which is the history of astrology. And she just kind of like breaks it down deep as to like, where did astrological systems like originate in the history of like human civilization or not just like where, but like what were those systems and like, what were they for? And it's like, yeah, like people counted the moon cycle, like people counted shit. Like if you're around and you're, you know, you're alive, I guess you like pay attention to that stuff. Perhaps it's difficult to remember that the skies that we have now are like so obscured with light and that the skies before the industrial revolution times just a few hundred years ago perhaps were so much clearer and brighter and so much more could be observed with the naked eye also there was like less humongous buildings less destruction of the land and all this stuff so there's something about astrology for all those reasons that has kind of lifted me out of the madness of the imperial linear time scale. And it's for those reasons that like I feel defensive and or perhaps it is my defense when somebody's like astrology this or that or like mm, like Juliana Huxtable was on Twitter being like this stuff is so deterministic. And I was like, you know, let's cons- let's consider that Magus Monk because I respect Juliana Huxable and have followed her her since like the early Tumblr times, you know. So I'm like, you know, true though. And at the same time, like, this is just what I'm gonna like do for myself. I was stuck in the house in the pandemic. I wasn't like out and about. I wasn't going anywhere. This is what I got into. And in a like more serious like hobby way and it stimulates me and it's just a fascinating array of applications for a variety of situations which are like restless insomniac manic type (laughs) cyborg motherfucker like me needs sometimes There's something to be said in all this. I suppose if I'm like putting things together, I wrote all these notes down really fast, which is what caused me to record this. And what I wrote in big down the side of my page is economy. It's militarization, American military and imperial linear time and working in commodities with economy down the side. And... There's this whole thing that I'm chewing on about 
how one's perception is shaped by one's material position, like the body you inhabit, the resources you have, the things and people around you, all that shit, the environment, the land, all that shit, what you like inherited in your, in your body, in your blood, in your memory from your ancestors and so on and so forth and what you didn't inherit and so forth. So because of that basic, like you are who you are, like you will have, this is what I kind of, this is what I believe, I guess, and think there's this thing that's like, we all live our real lives and then we all discuss and share and talk about it over platforms and through media and over devices, which are, you know, using the devices creates media. Like I speak into the phone, it becomes sound traveling over. It's like data. It becomes data. I'm not speaking directly to you in your ear. You're listening to like data of a record, you know, it's mediated. The medium is this data recording sound. So dealing with media, one can only learn so far, but eventually you have to like put things into practice or whatever. You know, you can read about something, you can study something, you can simulate something, you can do it in a small scale with like-minded people, da, 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 da. but once you can do it in a controlled environment, you can specialize in specific aspects, but once you got to do the thing for real, all together in real time, then a whole lot of new variables come in. And I guess if you can't tell, what I'm getting at is what do we do about the fact that we live in a militarized society, that power appeals to us, that militant organizing or militant formations are required to like protect one's rights or whatever if you if you you know what i mean like why do we let ourselves be fooled and manipulated and like cocooned in media environments that surround us that tell us day in and day out about our police state military empire that we're the number one economy that national interest is at heart for like all this shit like like there's something about militarization right like i like didn't grow up in a like a straight up violent environment but in philly you have to like watch your back you have to like have smarts on the street and you know things still happen or whatever so like i took martial arts I was into the fantasy of experiencing or being or reading the story of someone who's highly trained, very powerful, highly skilled at the top of their game, inevitably, not inevitably, but like a bunch of characters that are like working for organizations to achieve some sort of purpose and it's interesting to me that number 18 out of them all is like the only cyborg that was a teen delinquent, which is incredible. So kudos to Akira Toriyama for that one. But the wifeyization of everybody, all the women in DBZ, tragic. That's an aside. So 
And like, let's not even get into the whole like BDSM culture, kink culture, whatever. That's like all the leather and like real leather people come out and like tell me what's up. But my impression in my like readings and like internet travels and so on and so forth is like a lot of like leather culture seems to have originated from World War II and like the gay male like homosocial shit that went on and like the erotics of power and all that shit that was going on during that time this extremely charged martian ass time and then the other stuff i think about with bdsm is you know like plantation aesthetics like tying people up and like all like whipping and like bondage and I was always intrigued and drawn to like my adolescent, like horny adolescent self in the tower books on South Street, like looking at finished magazine books and all this type of stuff, all that like leather, metal, like all that shit used to be titillating to me and still is visually. But when you think about it, or when I think about it, sometimes I'm like, damn, like it is interesting and now, isn't it? Um... But, you know, I'm a person who's like deeply 12th house or like deeply tightly clamped on like what is erotic to me or what turns me on or what my like, I don't even, the fact is that I don't, I didn't even know. I don't even know sometimes. So it like comes out in the writing. That's why I write about it. You know, have you read my smut stories? Yeesh. Anyway, welcome to my mind at 3.30 a.m. What I keep pulling along is it's maddening that I personally feel impotent sometimes against the like in my face, like playing in my face or rub, just like rubbing it in my face style way that, you know, resources are misappropriated, people's lives are taken from them, robbed, pillaged, all the shit that we see that happens in front of us, especially if you're from the city, especially if you pay attention to, not even just pay attention, but especially if you're like really knowing people struggling, really knowing what it's like to be ass out, not sure how you're going to make it. You just got You're just thinking about the next meal or the next whatever. And um, like the injustice in the world, like, can't we do something about it? Oh, we have to like, organize we have to know how to work like we have to know what's up we have to be able to do like all this stuff there's a sacrifice you have to make a sacrifice what's the sacrifice and that's tough to do that's something that i believe is a way you know like capital way like a path I feel like I can't say it exactly outright what I keep trying to present. There's something important about martial discipline. It's a fact that all of our lives are caught up in the spiral trajectory of this like age of empires as a form of dominant human social organization. People are soldiers, and if people aren't soldiers, 
then somebody in your family was a soldier. Somebody in your line, your lineage, has been a soldier, has been in a war, has starved to death, has had the worst and most violent things happen. Like, in this human history, like, in this world, like, so it's a lot to contend with, you know? Ugh, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just something that fascinates me because of the Martian, Marshall, Mars, God of War underpinnings of it all. And I I feel like there's this gaping absence or this like silent absence or, you know, like in Serial Experiments Lane where the sky is white noise. There's this white noise in the media environment. The media environments of streaming apps and services, the movies in the theaters, Hollywood, the TV shows, the like imagery and popular music, the laws and things that get reported in, you know, the top news network, hour long political shows and shit like that about, I guess about like giving something for the warmongers to do or like Leah Farsayer from that band Prayers, who's like, I'm shaking my head, married to Kat Von D. You know, but Leah Farsayer, I'm in a book with Leah Farsayer, thanks to Tamara Santibanez, again, the sexiness book. Hey, but but Leah Farsayer has this, has a lot of good pieces on his albums and EPs and shit. But one of them is like going on about how there's like people who are born with warrior spirits, like don't have an outlet for that warrior spirit in this society. And he's kind of talking about like the Mexica you know, he speaks about being descended from that and that's his people, La Raza and all that, which, you know, I'm watching from the sidelines. It's not my shit. It's not my culture. I'm not from there. But like, I I like peep or whatever, because I'm still a bastard child of what happened in Mexico during colonization. You know, I'm still a bastard child of colonization. How many of us are here? How many of us came through that untainted. Our lines, our lineages came through colonization clean, unsullied. And so like for all that that's happened, what do we do with the anger? How do we express this stuff? What do we do? Not for real, for real. And not like creatively, like artistically, because those are like answers that are already out there. Those are things that people are already doing. I'm just, I'm kind of getting at like the beyond imaginable. Like we might have to die before we know. We might have to join the dead, you know? Like what is the place of militant discipline? What is the place of martial, Martian discipline in our lives? What does it get us? What's it for? How is it to be put to use? And I am wondering now, It's is it like a tool, just like anything else, that humans use, that change them, that they become something new and cannot revert back from? 
That's what being a cyborg is, in my book, forever changed by tool use or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, like right now, we're living in like a military economy, an empire based on a military economy or whatever, or whatever. I don't, I don't really know what the basis is or base, 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 base. But if you're having to work to get by, you're having to be participate in the economy, right? Like those of us having to participate in quote unquote, this economy. It's a military economy, no? A global military imperial economy. A capitalist one. And where did the capital come from? The enslaved. So that's the economy we're still in. Other economies exist, have existed, did exist, will exist. This is a reminder to me to record the short story I read at the Hatfield House for the Black Quantum Futurism exhibit that was there a year or two ago. Yeah. So, I don't know if you caught what I was putting down or what, but... I feel like I got what I had to say off my mind, off into the void, <laughs> datafied, mediated. And I do, I did, um, oh, like per the last little dispatch for me where I asked if anybody wanted me to do or talk more about like movies or whatever to let me know. And, and um, Carmen, shout out Carmen asked if I would do like a positive movie review. So for whatever reason, possess the movie Possessor came to mind. I'll have to make a separate thing on that because we've been here long enough, but I'll have to rewatch Possessor because at first I was going to write like a real review about it. And then I got caught up in writing a review of um, Don't Look Up for Cinespeak here in Philadelphia, which is a badass film organization. So I never wrote the Possessor John. So I'm gonna rewatch that and then come back on here and talk about Possessor because it was it's it's like a super creepy sci-fi Ghost in the Shell standalone complex tier type production. Really good. A lot to say about it, but um I think a positive movie review would be for Bakudao, but maybe I'll just LOL. I <laughs> I was a guest on Cerise and Vicky Rate the Movies, which is a podcast you can go listen to. Maybe I'll cut in the audio in here. I was a guest on their, like on the second or third episode or something, like really early in it to discuss like three movies or four movies um, on a theme. And one of them is this movie, Bakurao, which came out in like 2018, I think, or 2019 even, dare say, which is so fucking good. And I feel like I should just cut in my voice. I should just cut in a piece from that podcast, but I might be too embarrassed because my voice sounds so high from previous, even though I love myself and have known that I would have all these recordings in my old voice or my, my higher voice. Anyway, 
I'll have to talk about Bakudao and Possessor. So thanks for listening out there, wherever you are, whenever you are. We're in winter official. The days are lengthening, so have hope. Hang in there. Buy yourself some glasses with yellow lenses in it. Take it from me if you're living in a gloomy, overcast, wintry-ass place where you're not getting a lot of sun. Like, the last three months of winter in Philly are like this for me anymore. So get yourself some sunglasses with yellow lenses in them. Get a few pairs that you like and um, brighten up your life. Get some oranges, clementines, get some citrus in your life. Get some rose water hibiscus in your life. If you're feeling down and depleted, that's what I do. But that's for my temperament. You might have a different temperament that might require different things to care for you. Talk to you next time. I am going to have a bit of story next time, hopefully. So (laughs) look forward to your dream. I hope I've done my duty and sleep will come to me now. Good night.